One of life's greatest treasures are childhood memories. That's not always the case for every person, but for many, they have memories filled with love and laughter and a close family bond. When they think about the home and the family that they grew up in, they think about a family gathered around the supper table. They think about time that's spent together reading a book and playing with toys. They remember promises that mom or dad made and the sacrifices that it took to fulfill those promises. They think of family traditions. There was little moment to anyone else, but to them it was very special. They remember family vacations, special fun they had, childhood memories. They might even remember the discipline and the spankings and how both they and their parents shed tears over those. Childhood memories. But too many people have memories that are not so fond, in fact they're painful, of their families. Some remember a miserable home where the family where the word dysfunctional was coined for their family. They may remember verbal and physical and even sexual abuse. Too many raised in that kind of home. They remember a home where alcohol was consumed and they remember a home where there was divorce. But for some, just as painful, but it's not misery, but it's just a void of a bond. They remember dad working all of the time. They remember no time to play. They remember help, no one to help them with their problem. No parent was there to assist. Mom was never at home. Kids were raising themselves. They remember an atmosphere of complaints where they never seemed to measure up with what mom expected of them. They don't have pleasant memories of home. And so our question is, how can we have families that create great memories? For some, it's too late. It's painful. But for others, you're still raising your kids, or maybe you're not even married, and you're, you have the raising of your family yet in the future. And those that may have experienced a miserable, dysfunctional family life, they would be the first to tell you, pay attention, listen carefully, and do everything you can to create fond memories for your children as they grow up. And so let's talk about the kind of home that a child can look back with fond memories. Are you doing that with your children if you're raising your children? The kind of home where they can look back and you're building the childhood of memories that the child will not be ashamed when they look back and you won't be ashamed with that as you look back on your child, you're raising your children. The kind of things that you're not afraid for your children to remember. So let's talk tonight about memories of home. How can you, as you raise your family, raise your children, create memories of home, that it's a kind of family relationship, that they have fond memories of a home and a happy relationship? Well, let's first begin with this. Memories of home ought to be the kind of relationship where there is unconditional love. Unconditional love. Now let's open our Bibles and consider the fact that parents obviously ought to love their children. That's not always the case. There are some that don't love their children like they should. Let's start in Titus chapter 2 and in verse 4. Older women are to teach their younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. 
the text says. One of the things that parents ought to do is to love their children. And that's something we have to learn to do, at least to do so properly. Let's go in the Old Testament this time to Proverbs chapter 3, if you will. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 and notice at verse 12. Proverbs 3 and in verse 12. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. The Lord really loves him, he corrects him. Just as a father in the son he delights. Well, that may be talking about discipline, and we'll come back to that, but at the same time, it tells us it's a natural thing for a parent to love a child. Well, let's go to another passage, this time in the New Testament again. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul said, Here is my dealing with the church at Thessalonica, that I sought to exhort and comfort you and charge every one of you as a father does his own children. In other words, I tried to handle you with love and gentleness and with care, just like a father handles his children. Just like a mother would handle her, her daughters. That's the kind of principle that's laid forth. It's a given that parents ought to love their children. And I want to suggest to you that children remember expressions of love. Children are going to remember being told, I love you. They're going to remember that. And they remember hearing, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've accomplished. They're going to remember hugs and kisses. They're going to remember being shown tenderness and care and affection. They're going to remember knowing that they could come to their parents and they could talk to their parents. And if they made a mistake and they messed up, then I'm not going to be yelled at. They're going to have fond memories of that. That's fond memories of home. I want to suggest to you that children need to know that they are important to their parents. They need to know I'm loved and I'm far more important than money and jobs or friends. I'm more important to my parents than other people and the demands that others make on my parents. They need to be assured of such by ending each day. As you put them to bed and you tell them good night, you tell them you love them and you tell them you're proud of them. What fond memories of home. Children who are loved are the kind of children that learn to show affection themselves. One author said, if a child lives with criticism, they learn to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If he lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If he lives with shame, he learns to be guilty. If he learns or lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If he lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If he lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If he lives with fairness, he learns justice. If he lives with security, he learns to have faith. If he lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If he lives with the acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. Quite often, children learn what they've been living with and what they see among their parents. Now, it's sad when a child has a memory like this. Doug, if you will, turn my lights on, please. It's sad if a child has these kind of memories. Can you imagine a child looking back and saying, you know what, I can't remember mom or dad ever telling me I love you. Their parents, their children, they can say, you know what, I don't ever remember that. I just don't ever remember that at all. Or I don't think I ever had my dad give me a hug. Or I have never been told my, my dad, I, I would have never told my dad I messed up. I would have never told him about a mistake that I've done 
because all he would have done is just yelled and hollered at me. I could never go to him and tell him the mistakes that I made. How sad when the child's memory is such that, you know what, I felt unwanted at home. I felt like I was always in the way. And I was disturbing things that they wanted to do. And I want to suggest to you, that kind of thing is very common according to counselors. They say it's very common for children to be raised and they say, you know what, dad never gave me a hug. I never remember mom or dad either one telling me they loved me. You want to build childhood memories, memories of home, start with unconditional love. Here's the second thing. You want to raise your children where they have fond memories of home. Then secondly, there needs to be family time. Have family time. Let's go to Psalm 127, if you will. Let's go to the 127th Psalm. Children should be treated as a blessing and not a curse. And while most who are Christians at least have that attitude toward their children, there are some who talk about their children and refer to their children as if their children are a nuisance or in the way of them accomplishing what they want to accomplish in life. Children are a blessing and not a curse. Look at the 127th Psalm beginning at verse 3. Bless, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Children are a rich blessing. They're not a curse. Let's go to Proverbs, if you will, 23. Verses 24 and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He's rejoicing in his children. And he who begat a wise child will delight in him. Father, let your father and your mother be glad. And let her bore you rejoice. It ought to be that parents rejoice in their children. And what I'm here to suggest to you is that children will remember parents who had regular family time. They'll remember that home where they had time to eat together and sat around the supper table together, where there was time for reading of a Bible story. They weren't so busy, they didn't have time for that. They'll remember playtime, and all the busy affairs of life when you said, you know what, I've got some time every day, we're going to sit down, we're going to play. We're going to play with those toys. We're going to play. They're going to remember the parents that sacrificed things and canceled things in order to have family time. But here is something very important that dad canceled and mom canceled some things in her schedule so we could have some family time. Children will remember that. They'll remember those stories that were built in the home. They'll remember those times of riding bikes and throwing balls and playing with dolls. As silly as that may seem to the dad sitting down with his daughter and playing dolls, will remember those times. They'll remember things like working together as well as playing together. There's a survey made of some 1,500 kids, and they were asked this question. And the question is, reported in Reader's Digest, what do you think makes a happy family? They did not list money, cars, or houses. Their answer was this, doing things together. Building memories of home. Family time builds communication lines. It creates a bond. Even casual conversations with children open doors to feelings and ideas and needs and goals. Family time. It allows parents 
and children to build a relationship so they can talk through problems and talk through difficulties and they can go through those times of disagreements and there will be those. Child who trusts his parents in the daily matters will be sure to turn them when there's a real crisis. So when they realize we can talk, we have a communication line, there's a bond between the parent and the child. When crisis hits, they'll turn to the parents. I want to suggest to you that families that are together are not always together. What do we mean by that? Quite often we engage in activities wherein we can't interact with one another. Oh, we're all in the same place, but we're not really in a bond one with the other. It may be that one or both parents are preoccupied. We're all in the same room, but dad is on his phone, or he's reading the paper. Mom is on her computer, and we're not spending any time together. Or maybe we always include a large group of people. Maybe it's other family. Maybe it's other friends. So that little time is spent bonding with one another. Time together is not always together. There was one graduate of the University of Chicago when he was asked, what where did you get your major ideas on morals and religion? And the answer was, through conversation with family at mealtime. You sit down together as a family. Are you building childhood memories? Wouldn't it be sad if the childhood memories were like this? Mom and Dad were always too busy to have playtime with me. Mom and Dad were too busy to read me a story. I don't ever remember that, they may say. Or we never did anything together. I don't remember as a family doing anything together. I was off in my room, and my brother or sister was off in their room, and Mom and Dad were doing separate things, and we never did anything together. Or I don't remember ever taking a family trip together or vacation together. Wouldn't it be sad when a child looks back to their memories and they say, I always remember being told this, just leave me alone. Why don't you go away and play? Why don't you find something to do? And one of these days, when the children have all grown up, we're going to wish we had more time. Here's something else. Here's the third thing. Memories of home built with unconditional love, family time, but with careful concern. What do we mean by careful concern? Well, here's what children are going their memories are going to look back and they're going to remember discipline and restrictions and rules. They're going to remember every bit of that. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 suggests careful concern. Train a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he'll not depart from it, the text says. Ephesians 6 implies rules and restrictions. And that is you're to train up a child not only in the way that he should go, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the text says. That involves rules and restrictions. Let's go to the Proverbs, if you will, again, as we've already been there several times. Let's go to the 13th division and notice verse 24. Here is discipline that parents ought to instill. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Discipline is driven by love. Same book, let's jump over to chapter 19. And in verse 18, Proverbs 19 and 18, chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction, or do not spare for his crying. Back to 22 and in verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Children will misbehave, but the rod will drive it far from him. All of those passages suggest something about discipline, that there's rules and there's restriction, and there's care and there's concern. 
What I want to suggest to you is that children will remember parents who use coffee. They're going to remember that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. See that you walk circumspectly, carefully, very carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What did we just see from that text? Well, I learned from that that we need to use wisdom in all aspects of life, not as the fools, but as the wise, he said. And in using wisdom, we ought to walk circumspectly, placing one foot here and carefully placing another foot there, very carefully placing your foot. The reason for that is found in verse 16, because the days are evil. Here's what I'm learning from this. The more evil environment there is in the world, the more necessary it is to be careful and to be cautious. If you're rearing your children in this environment, you need to be careful, you need to be cautious because the days indeed are evil. Children will remember that. Discipline and restrictions and rules will be interpreted as parental care and parental love and parental concern. Dr. James Dobson in his book, Dare to Discipline, many of you have that, talks about how children are looking for boundaries and quite often when they're misbehaving, he suggests, that they're hitting those boundaries to see if there's a fence still there. And they are comforted in knowing that the rules are still there. So you tell the child, you can't do X, Y, Z, whatever that may be. And he tests that by hitting the boundary, and he's punished for it, and he receives comfort for that knowing I have a boundary out there and my parents care about me. Or they may rebel against that at the moment, but they're looking for those boundaries. Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 9 compares the discipline that the Lord brings upon His people through persecution that of a discipline of a father to a child. Now notice what he says. The children later look back at those strict rules and that discipline and they respect their parents. Look at verse 9. We've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect, he said. That is, we look back at our fathers who disciplined us and spanked us and gave us rules and gave us restrictions and we respect them because of that. What I'm suggesting to you is that looking back, children will be glad you said no and you set rules and you wouldn't allow them. And so they ask, can I? And you say, no, you can't do that. And they may rebel against that and they kick against that boundary. But when they mature and they grow up, they're going to look back and they're going to be thankful that you had that boundary as part of the fond memories of home. They'll interpret those rules and restrictions as love and care. And I want to suggest to you it's sad when children look back at their childhood memories and here's what they remember. You know what? My parents were pretty tolerant. My parents were pretty loose, they say. In fact, they may say, you know what? I don't remember them forbidding very much. We're pretty much allowed to do pretty much whatever we wanted to do. Or one who says, you know what, I don't recall them filtering my music or my TVs or my, my movies. I could pretty much watch anything I wanted and I could listen to any kind of music I wanted. And I, they never looked at anything I was looking at on the internet. They never paid any attention to that. They never know, wanted to know what I'm listening to. In fact, mom and dad didn't show much concern about who my friends were. They never told me I couldn't hang out with certain people. In fact, I was allowed to sit pretty much anywhere at church and, and mom and dad never knew if I was talking or passing notes or paying no attention. They didn't pay any attention to that because you see, they let me do pretty much whatever I wanted to do. Wouldn't that be a sad memory of your childhood? Memories of home. 
Memories of home ought to be that they look at the parents and they see conviction and they see service. Rear your children in such a way when they look back, they understand the parents had real and genuine faith. So what 1 Peter 1, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 if you will. And in verse 7, 1 Peter 1 and in verse 7, here's real genuine faith. The kind of faith that is, he says, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by, by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, here's real faith that goes through the test, goes through the trial, and it comes out on the other side and it's strong, even stronger because it went through the fire. Children are going to remember parents who had real genuine faith, who had strong faith. The kind of faith that Abraham said, who believed God, even though it seemed contrary to everything else he be could, could begin to think of. Not wavering in faith, but was strong in faith believing God. Children will remember parents that have strong and genuine faith. They're going to know and they're going to see if their parents are sincere or whether their parents are hypocrites. You want a detector somehow that can pick up on hypocrisy. Nobody can check it as well and as effectively as children can. They pick up on that quicker than everybody else. Children will remember and understand when decisions are made based upon faith. They're going to know whether you made a decision because it was an arbitrary thing or did you make this decision because of your faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5. And your children are going to understand. Did you arbitrarily not let them go to this when you let other people go, other children go to this dance or whatever it may be? Or did you act upon faith? They'll know. They'll know the difference. What memories of home. They're going to remember and should be able to remember we never missed a service. We always went to church. They're going to be able to see respect for God's order in the home. And they're going to know whether or not they're genuine authority in the home that's being respected that dad has authority in the home and he leads mom but he leads her gently whether or not there's respect for the eldership and church discipline and God's order and God's authority on divorce and remarriage and a host of other things your children are going to know how you feel about all of those things memories of home you see children will remember having parents who made serving God the center of their life Let's turn to Acts 27 and in verse 23. Same principle is found in Daniel 3. I won't turn there. This is Paul in the midst of a shipwreck. An angel had spoken to him and he says, There stood by me this night an angel of God, and notice the phrase about God, to whom I belong and whom I serve. Children are going to know if you have an attitude, I belong to God and I serve God. They're going to know that. They're going to see that. What a memory. What a memory as you grow up and you look back and the child looks back and says, you know what? Everything was worked around and based upon serving God. Everything we did in our home. Every decision mom and dad made was based upon serving God. And they talked about moving, talked about taking a new job. They talked about anything else. They always took God into consideration first. What a memory of home. What a memory when there was question about whether we were going to church and I want to suggest to you that kind of service builds faith 
That kind of service develops genuine character in the children, and that kind of service strengthens relationships in the home and in the family. What memories of home. But in the other, as in the other cases, it's when the memories are like the following. When the child can look back and say, you know what, I was raised by parents who had faith, but I want to tell you what, it was very, very weak faith. It wasn't much. Daddy didn't have much faith. Mom wasn't much better. They say. When their service was spasmodic, they served for a while and then they kind of back off. They served for a while and back off. When dad was not what he tried to appear to be to others. When he's at church, when he's around others, he, he tries to be more dedicated, more devoted, more godly, but he's really not that way. Sad memories of home where mom allowed so many things to hinder her attendance and her service to the Lord. And she wasn't what she ought to be either. Memories of home. But let's consider something else. Memories of home should also involve example and instruction. Example and instruction. Children are going to remember their parents' sterling character, if they have such. You see, as a rule, children turn out to be just like their parents taught them. That's a Bible principle. Let's be turning to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you will. And as you're turning there, I'm going to cite Ezekiel which you know, and you know well. There's a proverb in Ezekiel 16, that says, like mother, like daughter. Whatever the mother was like, that's how the daughter turned out. She just like her. She followed her example. She learned it from her. Well, let's flip that around and notice the father and the son this time. Second Chronicles Chapter 20 and in verse 32, speaking of Jehoshaphat, that he walked in the way of his father Asa. Turned out to be just like his daddy. And how many times have you seen someone turn out to be just like they were raised? As a rule, children turn out to be just what they have seen in their parents. Children remember parents' sterling character. They're going to look back and later they will appreciate the following. Memories of home. They'll remember that calm and steady leadership in the home. Rather than remembering the parents that got all excited and hollered and yelled and fussed and preached to their children, they're going to remember that calm, steady leadership, the kind of parent who would discuss and listen and value the child's opinion, even when it's wrong. They're going to remember sterling character wherein you exercise self-control in dealing with the children. You have this principle of controlling yourself. You have temperance as described in 2 Peter 1 and in verse 6. You control, you rein yourself in. You rein your temper in. Memories of home. They'll look back and later appreciate 
the good self-image that you put in the child because you built confidence in the child and you were happy yourself so that you built that happiness in their, in their relationships. They're going to remember that you gave emphasis to the family and you gave emphasis to honor being right and to Bible things. And whether you did or whether you did not, they're going to see that sterling character. Children are going to remember what their parents taught them. In fact, they remember what they were taught, whether it was by their parents or someone else. Parents are to be teachers, by the way. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I'm thinking that that's broader than just teaching them right from wrong, but teach them the way they ought to live. We'll come to the application of that in a moment. Ephesians 6, bring them up in the church and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, teach them diligently to your children. You in Press these principles into them, and the word that's translated diligently is the same word for sharp as in a sharp sword. You press it into their minds. Children are to be taught by their parents. I want to suggest to you that there's much to teach your children. First of all, we teach them the Word of God itself, teach them what the Bible says. They need more instruction than what they get in the pulpit and in the classroom at uh, the church service. Teach them the Word of God. Tell them what it says. Teach them right from wrong. Teach them basic morals. Teach them honesty. And show them where it fits in our life. Here's why we're going to do this is because this is honest. And here's why we tell about this to someone because we're trying to be honest. And here's why we avoid this over here is because we're trying to be honest. You show them where the rubber meets the road. That's what Deuteronomy 6 was about. You teach them about behavior. You teach them about wisdom. You teach them what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. You teach them how to treat other people. You teach them a good work ethic. Teach them to be hard workers. Like Colossians 3 and verse 23. That whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. You teach them to have good work ethics. Because they've seen it in you and you've taught them that. You teach them about life. You teach them how to fix things and how to build things and how to take care of an animal and how to share with others. You teach them how to sew and how to cook and how to clean and do crafts and handle their money. And I want to tell you that children will remember their parents that took time to teach them how to do it, even allowing them to make mistakes rather than the kind of parent who jerked it away from them and did it for them because they don't know how to do it. Memories of home. I want to suggest to you that it's said when a child remembers the following. They remember tempers that flared. I remember the example, the child says. I remember tempers that just flared in our home. I remember language coming out that I thought was unbecoming of a Christian, but dad could sure shout it. The child said it was colorful. It's sad when a child says, I remember being taught, but it wasn't dad that taught me that. It wasn't mom that taught me that. It's someone else who took the time and the patience to teach me. How sad. How sad it is when they say, you know what, I remember the emphasis in our home and in our family being on the television and in sports and on hobbies and school. That was so important. I don't remember much about spiritual things or just how to live life how to take care of myself, how to function in life. I remember so much on sports. How sad. Memories 
of home. Do you have memories of home? I hope they're pleasant memories. But if you have memories of home that of a dysfunctional family, you would be the first, I'm sure, to say. You know what? I hope people pay attention because I hope they're building in these young children that are here and children yet to come that they'll be building memories of home. That involves unconditional love, family time, careful concern, conviction and service, being an example and giving instruction. Those are great memories of home. Do you remember what Isaiah asked Hezekiah? The question really wasn't about his family life. It's what he'd showed off and what he'd demonstrated and look at what all he had. But the question is applicable to our circumstance. And the question was, what have they seen in your house? What are your children seeing in your home? And for some sitting here tonight, family hasn't even started, not even married. Haven't even begun to think about raising of children. What are they going to see in your home? What kind of memories of home will you build? Those who still have small children, what are they seeing in your home? Let us build great fond memories of home. There may be one more present tonight who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come tonight believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins? Would you acknowledge your faith? Buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. There may be an erring child of God who needs to make correction. If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?